Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 224. And today in the podcast, we're talking about the joys and challenges and lessons learned and hopes and dreams and fears of raising an outdoor kid. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And today in the show, before we do anything else, I want to read you a few reviews of the Wired to Hunt podcast. You ready for this, Dan? <laughs> there, there, oh boy. <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are over 1,800 five-star reviews of this podcast, I'm proud to say. But uh, yeah, but we've got a couple doozies thrown in there too that I wanted to share. <laughs> For for example, quote, enough of the family talk. If I wanted to learn how to be a father, I'd listen to a different podcast. <laughs> and end quote. <laughs> or or how about this one? Quote, it would be five stars, but the obnoxious guy won't shut up about his kids. So annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is just building my confidence. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are just a few of the rave reviews. That we've gotten about our parenting-related talks, Dan. <laughs> so, uh, since people are asking for it, I thought we'd double down on the family talk. <laughs> Good idea, right? <laughs> oh, this. Oh, yeah. I can't wait till these people. They're they're so excited. The, here's the Wired <laughs> podcast. It's on my phone. It's about freaking kids. Are you oh, kidding? Oh no. <laughs> One star review. Are those no? Are those one-star reviews? Uh, I think there were two-star reviews, those two. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't done our job then yet, Mark. <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, uh, thankfully, there's been actually a lot more positive feedback about uh, about these kinds of talks and our, our BS sessions where we kind of share our everyday life stories and struggles and whatnot. And um, for a long time, it was just you with the kids, but now I've got a little bundle of joy and um that's got me thinking about all this kind of stuff too and um especially most recently here I've been out 
on this several week excursion with my little boy out west that's got me thinking more and more about introducing our kids to the outdoors and stuff like that so I had this idea Dan and in a second here I'm going to bring in another friend of mine who's going to be able to join us to talk about this too but I thought we could just talk about this whole idea of raising an outdoor kid and um, talking through our experiences so far, more so your experiences than mine since I'm really new into it. And then my friend Andy Bradley is going to join us. He has a 7-year-old and a 9-year-old boy. Um, and I think I, I think this is fair to say that all three of us want our kids to grow up you know, being exposed to the outdoors, um, hopefully having an interest in something like hunting or fishing or some of the other outdoor things we like to do. I know that's something that's definitely high on my on my list of, of hopes and dreams is that Everett's going to be getting into that stuff. So so I thought we could just kind of talk through all that kind of stuff, what we've been doing so far, what we've learned. Maybe if you or Andy have any other advice for me since I've got the youngest. Um, it's funny, I told my wife about this idea, and she said, well, I, I don't think that you guys are terribly qualified because like, none of you have successfully converted a child to a to an official like, adult hunter or anything like that. So she's like, you don't have much, you don't have much to stand by. <laughs> but for whatever it's worth, we're going to share our perspectives, I guess, from where we are. Um, so I'm five and a half months in. You're, how old's Ava now, Dan? Ava's like five and a half. Five and a half. All right. So you're five and a half yep. with three kids. And Andy's nine years in with two kids. So we can talk about the young child experiences and then you can come back to this podcast 10 years from now and we will tell you about what it's like to have a teenage hunter hopefully and all that kind of stuff. um so yeah that's what i was thinking dan um before we do all that though i do think we need to take a little bit of time for our pregame show like we usually do but instead of a kid related pregame show like so many of them are do you have anything worth talking about that is non-kid related today well, I guess I do, but I was hoping for some kind of grand announcement, like, like, congratulations, Dan. <laughs> Am I allowed to do that? I don't yeah, know. If, I don't know that. if I don't know if you wanted to do it. But okay, if I can do it, then then yes, yeah, you can do it. This has been decades in the making, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this man has come from the bottom to the top. He has grinded and worked and slaved over his computer and his laptop and his desk. He has post-it notes strewn all over across his computer monitors, his desktop, his uh, cubicle walls, everything to inspire him to be what he is now, which is one of the leaders in the hunting community in the whitetail space as a communicator, as a podcaster. It is my privilege to announce to you that Dan... Nine Fingers Johnson was named the 2018 Quality Deer Management Association Communicator of the Year. Congrats, dude! Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Was that was that uh, was that announcement up to par? It is. It's up to par. <laughs> and uh, if you did I'm so that proud off of the you, top, man. if you did that announcement off the top of your head, that was really good, by the way. That was all ad lib, man. Just came to me. Just came wow. to me. But yeah, That's almost man, just as impressive. This is, and this is the first and only podcast in the world to be hosted by two Communicator of the Year. There you winners. go. I'm just following in your footsteps, buddy. Well, you're doing, uh, you're doing awesome stuff, man. So well deserved. It's been, it's been awesome to see what you're doing with Nine Finger Chronicles and the podcast and Sportsman's Nation and uh, giving back to QDMA and. 2% for conservation and all the things you're doing to make sure that that, um, 
you know, that giving back to the resource is top of mind. And that's something that I know we've talked a lot about here, but it's been just as a friend that kind of watching from afar, um, without getting too cheesy. It is a, it's a proud friend, proud, uh, proud moment. So keep up the good work, man. I'm excited for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, you know, I, I do have to say that I owe you a little bit of thanks as well, because, you know, I was in a spot when, when you started this podcast and when you said, Hey Dan, uh, you want to be my co-host? And I said, yes, let's do that. And then I kind of got, I was in kind of a low spot, not knowing if I ever wanted to do anything in the, uh, the hunting media space anymore. Uh, just kind of sitting in a, a state of idle, an idle state, I guess. And then when I started the uh, podcast with you here as the co-host, I felt like I got some, you know, some rejuvenation into it. So I had, you know, I owe, maybe you were the, the little snowball at the top that pushed down the mountain and turned into a big snowball, you know, down the ways. But, uh, so I owe you a thanks as well, man. Oh, Hey, you are welcome. And, um, if you could please refer to me from now on as the little snowball for the rest of our relationship, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> oh, there's my little snowball, Mark Kenyon. <laughs> Rub the top of my head. Give me a hug. <laughs> That's so cool though, man. Um, it's a bummer that you're not down there in New Orleans like we were last year. That would have been great if we could have been there for the announcement. Yeah, um, yeah. But we got Furter representing us down there. We, I, I wish, I don't know if, I guess this is coming out after that all happened. Um, yeah. But I wish we could have had Furter go up on stage and accept the award for you. And, and um, Lindsey Thomas Jr., he's the uh, Director of Communications for the Quality Deer Management Association. And I asked him, uh, is there anybody that I need to pick to go and accept the award on my behalf. And I wanted to have further <laughs> go and do it with maybe like a cardboard cutout of yeah. me there. <laughs> that would but, have been perfect. Uh, it just, it happened all so fast and I didn't find out until last week. And, uh, unfortunately just with my schedule, um, and the family, I wasn't able to make the trip down there, which sucks, but, uh, you know, I'll rep the QDMA proud regardless. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Great organization, great people involved with it. And, um, lucky we've got some people like you that are helping spread the good word and good stuff, hopefully in the future. So that's exciting. Anything else? Uh, I mean, all my news as far as my life is just kid related. Now I've been out doing this Montana adventure and we can talk about that once Andy joins us. Well, um, here's, here's what I want to talk to you about. So your wife posted a picture of you changing a car tire and you guys were sitting there. <laughs> it's like, but, but the thing about it, it was, here's a picture of you changing a car tire, but in the background was just this beautiful mountainscape, right? Just this gorgeous gorgeous view <laughs> and it's like ah oh, it freaking car tires my day sucks boo-hoo look at me <laughs> i'm just like and as i'm sitting in this cubicle smelling the person behind me's like liver and onions for lunch uh, I, I just was like i'd rather change a car tire there every day for the rest of my life <sighs> than sit in this cubicle one more day <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right i can't complain too much but i'm just the least handy person i, I think i've mentioned this before so even changing a car tire was a very intimidating proposition at the moment <laughs> and it was like we were just about to head out for the evening to go we had plans for this nice night in Yellowstone National Park we're gonna go in there we're gonna have like a nice hike I was gonna go fish for a little bit we we're gonna go get dinner in this place just outside of the park and drive through this valley and look at buffalo and all that kind of fun stuff and um 
And then, yeah, we, we loaded up the car. We got Everett in the car seat. We were about to pull out, and I turned on the car, and then the low tire pressure gauge was flashing. I'm like, what? <laughs> I looked back there, and that back right tire was flat. But uh, I had, like, a 30-second, like, meltdown where I just, like, put my head down and just stared at the ground for, like, 30 seconds, taking deep breaths, and then said, all right, you just need to fix it, go get the tire replaced, and we'll get back to the plan. And uh, right. was able to do that, and the the tire shop about twenty minutes away was able to. They had to replace all my tires actually, um, which was a bummer. I totally blew out the one. These are crazy bad roads out here, and that just totally ruptured one. Yeah. So I had to get all new tires, but we got everything done in time to still get out for our evening plans. They were a little rushed, but we still got out. So it's uh these trips are always a little challenging just from. You just don't know what's going to happen when you're on the road for so long, driving all over the place and pulling this tin can of a camper all over. Yeah. The, the awning ripped again earlier this week in a windstorm. Yeah. I forgot to put the awning down when we went out to go look at some places and came back and the awning was ripped, so duct taped that. Um, <laughs> so kind of just par for the course now. I don't know if we're going to talk about this uh, in, in the upcoming podcast, but how is Emmett transitioned from being a stay-at-home baby to a baby on the go. Mm. Everett is doing very good. Emmett. Um, Did I say Emmett? You said Emmett, but it's Everett. Oh, Everett. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I got right. a buddy's friend's name, Emmett. That happens to the best of us, man. <laughs> but he's he's doing really good. And we'll, I'll definitely share a whole bunch more about uh, what that transition has been like. But knock on wood, so far, I've been uh, we've been very lucky. So it looks like we've got an on-the-road baby, which has been cool. We sometimes awesome. just like kind of pinch ourselves, like how do we get so lucky that we have a kid that's like so adaptable to our kind of weird lifestyle? Um, so I do. We we keep on like telling ourselves, all right, the next one we're not gonna, we can't expect the next one to be like this. So we're no, just, you shouldn't. Yeah, we're just gonna enjoy this and uh, prepare ourselves for more difficulties uh, with the, with the next one. But so far, so good. So. I guess now that we're on the kid topic, should we should we hit timeout really fast and get Andy in here and then just dive into this full steam? Yep, this is a perfect perfect transition. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll get Andy on the line. All right, before we do that though, we need to take a quick break to thank our partners at Whitetail Properties. And today, our producer Spencer Newharth is checking in with a Whitetail Properties land specialist to talk about summer food plots. This week with Whitetail Properties. We are joined by Tom James, a land specialist out of Indiana, and Tom has some advice for those who had intentions of putting in a food plot, but still haven't gotten around to it. At this point in time, mid-July going forward, I would say the best plan would be to strategize and plan for an August planning here in the Midwest. By the time you get to mid-July, the only thing you see going in the ground is double crop where a farmer will cut winter wheat off and go back in and drill soybeans and they can do that successfully as far as food plot guys go we're just looking at a really droughty hot stressful time of the season um, but you're only a month away from prime time fall planning dates which is mid-august all the way through mid-september here in the midwest so my best advice for anybody would be just to go ahead and plan on mowing your field getting the uh the existing vegetation sprayed and burned down with roundup and and maybe do a soil test knowing what your soil amenities are going to need, but just be geared up and planning ahead for killing crops, or excuse me, killing competitive vegetation, have your seed selections done, and ready to rock and roll in about three or four weeks. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Tom currently has listed for sale, 
visit whitetailproperties.com backslash James. That's J-A-M-E-S. All right, so we're back, and with us is my buddy Andy Bradley. You've been on the podcast before, I think, on one of our shed hunting episodes, right? Didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, oh, was it like, not last year, the year before. Yeah, Iowa Shed Camp. I think you showed up just after Dan had to leave to do kid stuff. Isn't that right, Dan? I think you had to leave <laughs> <Yeah>. early. <laughs> I got a, I had a window to shed hunt. I shed hunted in that window, and then I made it back before that window closed. <laughs> so this Ooh. perfectly ties into the topic of discussion. Then. And uh, just before we pulled you in, Andy, we were just talking a little bit about, um, you know, how I've been out here with Everett and the family trying to do some camping and hiking with him. Um, and I figured you'd be a good guy to add to this though, if we, as we talk about this whole idea of raising an outdoor kid, because of all the, of all my friends that have children, I've always kind of looked at you and Becca as having like really done a good job raising your boys and like doing neat things with them outdoors. I've loved seeing all the different things you've done with, um, with the boys. So I kind of want to start with you, Andy. I'm just kind of curious, like what, what was it like when you began you know, when, when the boys were really young, I mean, how did you begin this or what was your thought process? Because like for me right now, I'm so eager and like, I so badly want Everett to like be into the outdoors and like these things I'm so passionate about. Like I find myself having to like try to like, temper my expectations because I'm already like finding myself already thinking, Oh, well I gotta do this. I gotta do this. Like, what was it like for you when, when the boys were younger? Cause they're, they're seven and nine, right? Levi and Lukey. Isn't that right? Right. Yep. Yeah. So what, yeah. what was like your well, mindset like early on? I, I mean, identical to what you're what you're describing i think it's just one of those things where you like it too much i think and you just want them to enjoy it like you do and that was that, that was the hardest thing for me is when they're not old enough to kind of understand how awesome some of these things are to try to kind of pitch it to them on their at their speed because i want to show them look how cool that is and they're looking at a turkey that's 75 yards away and they're like oh well that's awesome but <laughs> when when you slow it down and figure out what's you know, a crayfish is cool when they're little, not a turkey that's 75. Look how big his beard is. I don't care, Dad. Take me back fishing, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of my experience. It's the same thing. You want to, like, you, your mind just races for all these things that, oh, I can't wait to do this, do this, do this. And then you realize that the things that kind of get you going right now aren't, it's going to take a while for that to, to be what gets them going. So that was kind of my first experience, kind of that had to temper it as well. So, yeah. Do you feel like you fall in the same uh, boat, Dan, as far as like, I, I think in our past conversations, you've kind of shared some of the thoughts, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I was just excited, you know, like when my daughter was born, she was the first kid I had. And even in the hospital, uh, the, the couple nights that we were there, I was talking to my wife, Sarah, and I was just like, Hey man, I can't wait to get her in a tree stand with me. I can't wait to take her shed hunting with me. I can't wait to do all these things with me. And next thing you know, it's just like you realize that that is at a much slower pace. You yeah. know, right. they for them, you could go out and do it, but to take them and to get them to enjoy it without burning them out is at a much slower pace. Yeah. Do you guys ever do you guys ever have like any any worry about like, what if they don't like any of this stuff? Is that something you have ever thought about? Like, what if, you know, 10 years, 15 years down the road, they have no interest in this kind of stuff, man, you know, and that's why I think not pushing it on them is so important. If you want to share with them your passion, I guess you have to be able to share with them 
what their interests are. And that may not be hunting all the time. So for me, like I have to take, like, I, I kind of really liked baseball growing up and my dad was all about baseball and sports and stuff. And it kind of burnt me out a little bit, turned me off. And so I, I kind of pulled away from baseball and I don't want that to happen with my kids, uh, from a outdoor standpoint. So just, I'm basically baby stepping, you know, like check this bug out and then play up this, play it up. Like this bug is the greatest thing ever, or go out in the backyard recently and we're catching fireflies and digging in the dirt and just getting dirty and getting used to being outside where all this, all this nature happens. I think that's, that's kind of the, the path I'm going to take. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Andy? Yeah. Well, definitely. I think scared is like the first, the, the first notion I had is like, what if they don't like this stuff that I just want them to, and I, sometimes I describe this stuff to my wife and Mark knows this, like we start planning on going somewhere on some trip or something. And I start talking, my wife doesn't even want me to start planning it until about a month before we go. Cause she doesn't want to listen to all my plans and all my <laughs> ideas. So, <Yeah. laughs> so it's kind of with them. I was so scared that like, what if they don't like it? And now it's kind of after you have, and not like my kids are almost one of them is 10 almost and seven. So it's at the point now where it's not, I'm not scared that they're not going to like it. I'm more like, it's almost like I'm going to be sad if they don't enjoy it like I do. Cause it's such an enjoyable, you know, everything about it from fishing to hunting, whatever it is, it's, it's so much fun. And I just hope, cause I know a lot of people that just, they don't have that in their life. And I'm just like, Oh man, I hope they enjoy it. Like I do for their sake. It used to be like, I was afraid I'm not going to be able to take them, but now it's like, Oh, for their own sake, I hope that they love this or at least something. But I'm, I'm with, Dan on that one for sure that you realize that you really got to you know slow it down and just let let them love it at their own pace because if same thing with sports you know I was that kid that was begging their dad to go outside and play baseball and I think I burned my dad out but that's a whole (laughs) other story so 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 what what kind of stuff because I'm I'm obviously very early still he's five and he's five and a half months old pushing six months old I guess almost next week he'll be six and um, what kind of stuff you kind of alluded to a little bit, Dan? But what were like the earliest things you guys were doing to kind of like try to introduce introduce the kids to it? I mean, a- Andy, what, what were the things that you were kind of first starting out with to kind of, you know, get them introduced to this whole world? Well, we've always had all kinds of dogs, so that was the first like the first thing that that they were exposed to. Is we had coon dogs and bird dogs and all kinds of and they would be down there and they'd always want to go check those out. But I think that was just something that they always wanted to be around. But as it, as it got all, it went by, the time went by a little bit. I think fishing was the, probably the first thing. My parents live on the Kalamazoo river, so we can go down there and, you know, I can distinctly remember him, one of them sitting in the car seat and it was kind of a half joke, but putting a fishing rod in his lap in the car seat when we were sitting at the edge of the, on the edge of the river, just <laughs> part of that was 50% for the kid and 50% for me, just so I could <laughs> yeah. see it done. But so I think, I think the water is probably the first thing that really, cause they can, there's a, I don't know what it is about the water, but it just draws them to it. So probably that. You've kind of, I feel like you've kind of done the same thing, Dan, would you say? Cause I've, I've seen you guys taking the kids out a lot fishing. Yeah. And I, I think it's, what's easy 
first, right? Uh, being quiet in a turkey blind or in a tree stand is, <laughs> is not easy to yeah. do, right? So anything where they can be loud and they can show their excitement. And when they're young, like my, my son is three now and my daughter's five. And, you know, just like their dad, they're both loud. And, <laughs> and, and so they are, they get excited when they see like a water bug or the bobber goes under the water. They scream in there and that you have to capitalize on that. I feel you, you can't tell them, Hey, be quiet, be quiet. You got to, Oh, that's awesome. Good job. You know, all that stuff and get them <laughs> excited about the little things. And then I think as those little things get just as even this time of year example, two years ago is when I started taking my daughter with me on these nighttime drives, looking for deer out mm-hmm. in the fields. Yeah. Hand them the binoculars. It's not about you looking at the deer. It's about them holding it, even if they're looking at the wrong way. And you have these pretend <laughs> conversations with them, right? Like, hey, what do you see? Oh, dad, that's a big buck, dad. You know, it's not a buck. You know, it's not a buck at all. It's probably a, a, a dog or a, a piece of wood out in the field. But and, but they're excited about it. And yeah. that's what you have to capitalize on, I feel. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a niece or several nieces, three nieces now who who all whenever they come to my house they want to look at the deer mounts or look at the shed antlers or I've got binoculars on my back window where you know we're always looking at the fields behind the house same thing and they always put the binoculars the wrong way and look through the big holes and... they always do that why is that I don't know. mine still do <laughs> you know they can't see anything Back but... well, I like it this way better. <laughs> but just like you said, Dan, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I see it. I see it." <laughs> Imagination. Uh huh. Yeah, it's uh, it's so much fun. I agree. It's like, and I, I guess I have got a little bit of training with with my nieces because it's been neat to see them from little itty bitties to now the oldest is I don't know seven or eight, and getting to introduce them to you know just what I do and talking about like when we eat venison, when they come visit, talk about that and tell them the stories about all the different, you know, things I'm doing, how we got this, what this deer, you know, where this deer was and pointing out this one. And we're like back during the hunting season, sometimes like we would babysit them. Um, and you know, Dan, how often I would have my wife come pick me up on that one property, drive the truck through the cornfield. So sometimes she would bring all the nieces with her. So they'd be all piled <laughs> in the truck and then come driving this truck into the cornfield. And then I'd come sneaking up to the truck to hop in the back. And then Kylie opened the window and all three girls started screaming at the top of their lungs. <laughs> like, hi, Mark. I'm like, no, quiet, quiet, quiet. <laughs> Holyfield's here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that kind of stuff. I'm... I can see how just introducing them in those kinds of ways um, makes a makes a big difference, and it's, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but I want to talk more about fishing. Give me give me some more advice from both you guys as far as like introducing kids to fishing, because that's going to be top on top of my mind. And I'm already thinking I probably want to just introduce Everett to fishing by going on like a seven day float trip, fly fishing. <laughs> Um, yeah. Right. That's the right way to do it. Right. I think that's, yeah. <laughs> oh, overnight like backcountry. Something a little hard, more hardcore. Maybe like you could parachute in or something. I think yeah. That would be. Maybe the, the Yukon yeah. River going through Alaska. I mean, if we're gonna do exactly. it, we gotta do it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't want him to be a wuss. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, someday, Andy, how cool it'd be to take our boys back on that float trip that we did in Montana last summer. Oh man. Right. No kidding. Yeah, I've thought about that ever since we went, dude. Yeah, yeah. So Dan, I remember about taking them and going. Oh man, dude, that's the place. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I did that pack rafting trip last summer, Dan? That was with Andy. Um, gotcha. And that would be, I mean, if the kids did learn how to fly fish, that would be an amazing place to take them because there were just so many fish and they were so eager to feed. But um, that's a long ways down the road for me at least. But Yeah. But, yeah. But, fly but, fishing is a long ways down the yeah, road. Yeah. Okay. But back to the beginning though. Give me a talk. How did you end up getting the boys into fishing, Andy? Any, uh, any lessons learned there or? What was the story? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It, it's going to go a direction you weren't thinking. Ice fishing. Ah. <laughs> that's it. It's the easiest thing. And I know you're going to say, you're going to say no flies and there's no orvis or nothing, but <laughs> I'm telling you, sit them on a bucket with that flasher in front of them and they are hooked. Our, my kids have zero video games, so the closest thing to a video game they have is my Vexilar that flashes in front of them where ice fishing in a shanty. So <laughs> that that was how my kids got hooked because it's it's – that easy you can find them in shallow water and they're sitting right over top of them and you know they're there but you aren't going to fish probably for at least the first three years when you're taking them because they're not uh real equipped to take all those responsibilities on they kind of they require a lot of help well yeah and like how do you manage just the the elements i mean you just you bring them in the shanty bundle them up with a thousand layers and just let them play well that's what, it, uh, just like Dan was saying a little bit earlier, it's not, they're not, I was really hardcore. I feel like I was when I was a kid and I feel like I was into it, but I was probably just exactly like my oldest son. Probably as time goes by, I'm starting to realize that I probably was just like him. But a lot of the time they're just playing like I'll, we'll, we'll be bundled up. We take the shanty. I set the shanty up. I set their rods up. I don't even set one up for myself because I, I'm not <laughs> capable of, working mine and helping them so i just sit between them and they catch a few fish and after an hour if they're not biting really good they're ready to and then next thing you know they're they're outside the shanty i can hear them wrestling and whatever two brothers do they're fighting and doing whatever they do but that that's the hardest part is to just and and i don't have that mark knows this i'm not the stand and watch kind of guy I, i'm more of a hands-on let's do this let's do and and i have to just take a step back because they want to do what they want to do and i feel like and i've always tried to describe like how they get to know and anything that that we do i try to make it as organic as possible i don't try to push them and make them and force them i just let them do what they want to do and it's sometimes when we're fishing an hour of it's fishing or less and the other two hours they're out chasing each other and throwing snowballs i guess that, you know, they're having fun. I feel like that's a memory that they can have when they get older. It's a good experience. And yeah. I hope, you know, I hopefully that that trend, you know, translates to them wanting to do it more as they get older and they're more focused on it. And if, it, you know what, though, when you have kids, you realize that as long as you have them, if they want to throw snowballs, go fishing and throw snowballs the whole time, as long as they want to go, you'll be happy for them to do that, you know? Yeah. What What has the evolution been? Have you seen, like, a yeah, since you started doing that with, with them, are they, you know, have they picked it up the way you hoped they would? Do they want to go ice fishing or fishing on the lake and stuff now? Are they getting more into the actual fishing part of it? Like, have you seen that grow at all or what's that look like? It, it kind of comes and goes, man. It really wavers. Some days they're into it and they want to do it for hours and other days they just want to goof off. And I don't know, you know, I don't know. So it's definitely progressed now. Like I can, at the point where Levi, we just like, we, we actually went fishing yesterday and he's got his own open face. You know, he's got, he doesn't have the Zebco 202 anymore. It's, he's got an open face and cast it, you know, 
and all that jazz. You know, he can take the fish off the hook. He can do anything that he needs to do, put the bait on. But it, it definitely has progressed. But there's times where you go, you're like, I, I, I want him to just fish, but sometimes he just wants to goof up. He was fascinated yesterday after we fished and didn't do very well. We pull, He pulled a lily pad up, and it was about 12 feet long, and the stalk of it was. And that was a that was a fascination we had to talk about for 15 <laughs> or 20 minutes. But it's still it's still a blast. But, but back to what you were saying, yeah, I definitely think they've progressed, you know. But I, I don't want to push them, but I think they have progressed. Yeah. Do you think that is either one of them more into it than the other, Luke versus Levi? Or are they both kind of the same place? They, they both have their own little uh, – niches where they kind of fit in so lukey is the youngest one and he's the baby so that's why he's lukey but um he's like we call him the sloth okay so his <laughs> his mentality is totally different levi is a hummingbird and and lukey's a sloth so we when we have different activities that, that one of them so trapping is lukey's thing he absolutely loves it and it's perfect because he's methodical in everything he does in his life he's slow he just takes his time and I've learned that from him. Why we, I take him, it's like, there's no reason to hurry. Just take your time. And, and he loves trapping. And Levi, not so much. It's not action-packed enough, I don't think. It doesn't, you know, really get him, get him charged up. And Levi wants to fish and do things like that. And, and Luke likes, loves sitting in a tree stand. Levi, not so much. He wants to play on my phone if, if we sit in a deer blind for too long. And it's like, so I think they, you know, definitely – have to navigate different, you know, paths for each one of them because they, they have different interests or interests and in different, uh, you know, different things that they like, I guess. Yeah. That's gotta be so cool to see those different unique interests grow yeah. though. Wild. Yeah. That's crazy. What about you, Dan? What are you seeing from the kids so far as far as their interest in this stuff? I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Knox is really the big outdoorsman already, but what about the older two? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's cool to see this because, see, Ava's five now, so when she was two, you know, she would we would go fishing for bluegills, and she would basically just be sitting on my lap, and I would she would maybe hold the pole and, and reel in to last summer. She would, you know, she was four, and she, you know, she could start reeling the fish in when the bobber would go underwater and now this year oh my god the last time we went fishing she did not want to leave and i was pretty pumped about that i mean she is putting the worm on the hook she is casting she's reeling it in when it goes under she can't take the fish off by herself quite yet but she is gung-ho about fishing and it's just been the, the thing that I've been doing is letting her do all of this at her own speed because I, um, she would want to reel like three years ago. She would want to reel or two years yeah. ago. She just reel, just reel the whole time and reel and reel and reel. <laughs> and it's not even enough time for the worm to sink yet. And I'm just like, no, sweetie, don't do that. You can't do that. You got to let it sit. And then she would go and she wouldn't want to do it anymore. So then when we would go fishing, I didn't care if, the bobber went under one time. I just let her reel in every time. Did you get one? No, I didn't get one, Dad. Okay. Well, maybe just try letting the letting the bobber sit there for a little bit. Okay, okay, I'll try it, Dad. And, and then maybe and then she would realize that you have to let it sit there for just a second. And then it would go over. And I think what really got her hooked was the 
being able to just play around with some of the stuff like the worms hold the worms in her hand and just play around and look at them and get dirty and in some and being in some clear water we have a pond that we fish and it's crystal clear water and you can see the fish swim up to the to the worm and pull the bobber under and that is and the kids get a really big kick out of that so <laughs> it, that that's how is it, it go ahead i was just going to ask dan the milestone this is a huge milestone in our house the hook set yeah and that, that happened it was like when people potty train like he sets yeah. the hook he, i call my wife I'm like he sets the hook now it's like you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> he catches his own fish when he when he set the hook. It was his own fish. The things you get proud of when you have kids. That's it's right. Boring to some ha- people, but we had to have a talk about that because my <laughs> my wife's dad is a huge angler, huge fit bass fisherman, and when he sets the hook, it's almost like he's trying to rip a yep. manhole cover off of a street, just like room, and yeah. he just he rips like the. The term ripping lips literally happens, you know, when you, when you're reel in, it's just the lips of a fish on a hook because he's setting the hook so hard. So my, my daughter is trying to mimic him and she's just <laughs> ripping it and almost throws the pole. She'll fall over. So I'm like, sweetie, you don't have to do what grandpa does. Just reel in the pole. You're going to be fine. <laughs> now, what about, uh, what about Mac? What's his interest on the fishing side? Is he getting it yet? I saw that he was like watching your, I think it was your father-in-law cleaning fish the other day. Um, yep. is that, is he getting into it? He's kind of on the same pace. I would say just a little bit behind. He doesn't like to touch the fish or touch the worms as much as Ava did, but, um, he caught his, I'm going to say he caught it. His first fish, uh, my father-in-law threw the bobber out bluegill took it under and uh then he he kind of helped reel it into to the shore and then he got his picture taken with it and he was pretty pumped about that but he was um this last fishing trip was kind of a milestone because he used to be afraid of worms and, and touching the fish and stuff like that but now when sister would catch a fish and he needed or she needed a new worm for her hook he would get the worm for her. So they had kind of a system worked out. I'll get you the worm, you catch the fish, and then I'll get you another worm when it's ready. So whatever he wanted to do, whether it was just real like she did a couple years ago, it's like she's he's two years behind where she's at, yeah. and, he, and he's three. So, um, you know, it's, it's always – and I don't know about you, Andy, but when you had your first boy, it, like having a boy, it's like yeah. if my daughter didn't – want to go hunting or fishing you know i it's, there's a part of me that's just like ah oh well but when you have it's like you have these expectations for us my my son and maybe you do too mark with your first child being a boy where it's like okay he's a boy he's gonna hunt he's gonna fish yep. he's gonna do all these things and and you know hell he may be into you know uh designing clothes he might <laughs> Yeah, that's being Mark's kid. It's a very good chance. (laughs) There's the real Andy. Sorry, Mark. (laughs) I know it's usually not recorded, but I'm insulting you usually. So no, please let it rip. Natural. It's on the record. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, I'm sure you probably felt the same way too, Andy, didn't you? Yeah, for sure, man. It's it's a wild ride for sure. What about? uh, 
what about the uh, you mentioned trapping that Lukey's really been into that? How how'd you go about that? What's the process introducing them to that whole that whole deal? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's certain personalities, but I think tra- that's one of the first things that I can remember doing with my dad. And it's something. I mean, there's a million different things you can try to trap. I mean, different ways, water, if, different things, and if you. <sighs> how I would describe just from my point of view, trapping, my dad told me when I was a kid, he said, when we're trapping, we trap muskrats and mink and all different kinds of stuff. But it's like Christmas morning. He said, when you go up there and you, you that it's like every time you unwrap a present Christmas morning. And, and it, it was like that to me, like it didn't start out that way, but with my younger son, he loves it. I mean, when we go check traps, I mean, we, and you got to check them every day. And there were some, some traps that I would check. And these are things that I didn't know I'd have to do until I had kids, some of them are kind of a pain in, you know, in the butt to, to check. So I would check all those in the morning at four 30 in the morning before, before work. But if I had like grounding sets or things like that, or kind of bears that it's, you know, that they could be checked in the afternoon, I would save all those traps. And I would find myself actually setting traps that maybe weren't real high likelihood of catching something, but if they were, it would be in areas where I could use kind of bears or different things. So I could come back and check them with the kids. And there was many times where I would catch stuff in the morning and then I wouldn't mess with it. I'd just go to work and come back. And obviously these, these, you know, animals are dead. So it's not like they were suffering or anything like that all day, but I would come back in the afternoon, you know, play dumb. We'd come driving up and I'd let him get in front of me and, Oh, and he'd run up, you know, and those kind of things like that. I mean, that he just, he lives for it. They coon trapping and, you know, mink, mink is the funnest. I think he likes that the best because they leave little, you know, sign in the mud and different things like that, or in the snow, if it's, you know, snow on the ground. So there's a lot of clues to look for. And even if there's not a lot of clues, like you were saying, Dan, you can talk about the bug being the coolest thing in the world. You you can, you can turn it into fun, no matter what you can find something that, you know, look at these tracks over here. What do you think this is? And they, and it's to the point now where like my little boys are the little sponges of information. Like, what do you think that is? And, that's a raccoon trap for sure. You can see different thing, you know, different, his feet look like this. And if it was a possum, it would have this. So that, I think trapping is a really good one to, uh, for them to, you know, see the wild world like, like I do, I guess. Yeah. I know nothing about trapping. So I'm leaning on you here, Andy. Um, you mentioned a few things that stood out to me, like just the way that you, you know, you're setting some traps now, not necessarily for their effectiveness, but more so for like the ability to get there with the kids and that kind of stuff. Is there anything else that you've learned to that's helped you as far as like if someone else was listening and they want to introduce their kids to trapping? Any other things that you kind of picked up along the way that you'd recommend? Uh, yeah, I mean. Trapping's one of those things. Everything is now. There's an unlimited resource on the internet for any. You can click on YouTube and watch one after another after another. Different methods people are doing to catch, you know, different things. But muskrat traps, man. If, if you've got muskrats, and then granted they're not worth a whole lot of money, but they might be the kind of thing that gets your kid hooked on the outdoors for the rest of his life. So they're worth something, you know, that way. But you you can trap muskrats on a little pond, almost every little pond you could ever find has them and you can trap them with a 110 kind of bear. There's no, you know, even if it's somebody that's never trapped before, you can't really screw up a kind of bear. If the kind of bear goes off, something's in it, your muskrat's in it, he's dead. So, and those are, you know, just stuff like that. You can't, you got to not be afraid to just go do it, I guess, you know, just go do it and try it and, 
get on YouTube if you have to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Books, obviously, but this this brings up another thing um, that as hunters too will. I think I think you've probably had this already happen, Dan. I'm sure you have, Andy. But I know it's like I imagine it would be an interesting thing when you first introduce the child to a dead animal, like how they process yeah. that, what that means. Um, what was that like for you, Andy? Whether was that with trapping, was that with the deer hunting? You know, what? How have you approached all that? Well, I have. There's one that kind of stands out in my mind, and it. I kind of have a picture of that same day that kind of reminds me of it every time I see it. But I think Levi was probably our oldest was probably he he was probably two and a half maybe, and I had killed a deer, uh, shot a deer behind the house. There's a little bit of snow on the ground, and. Uh, I took him out there with me. So he's like, I mean, he's less than two feet tall. He's this little, I got him all bundled up and it's cold out, you know, and it's, and I'd already know the deer's down. It's kind of similar to the trapping, setting it up for him. The deer's down and I actually drug it to this little two track that I could drive to. And, uh, I hadn't gutted the deer yet. So I come back to the house and I bundle him all up and I go, you know, the whole song and dance, I shot a deer and I don't know if we're going to be able to find it and this and that. And he's just like, three years old he's talking blabbing you know he wants to go and so we get him all dressed up you know and he goes out there with me and we we quote unquote find the deer and he's really excited man he's just like and i don't know if that was the first experience you've had with something that was dead but i can distinctly remember he was watching and i say all right i'm gonna gut it you know i'm gonna gut this deer now we're gonna field dress it and and uh so he's like okay yeah and he's just kind of watching there and i start to field dress the deer and I, and I open this doe up and he I hear him say oh I'm getting back in the truck dad <laughs> and as he thought like he wasn't quite ready for that yet and I don't, he wasn't freaked out and it, there's been no uh lingering effects of that trauma that I put him through but he's standing there just like I mean he's just this little baby standing there all bundled up well I'm getting back in the truck dad and he goes back to the truck and he can't open the door so I let him back in the truck and uh, I go back out there and I'm like that's one of those moments where it just goes through your mind. And you're like, man, am I going to regret that later? I don't, but there was no ill effects. He's fine. He he's, but we have like a, a hobby farm kind of a thing going on at our house too. So that kind of helps. We have, I think it's important that kids get to see, you know, how, where food comes from. So, and that, that's something I've always been very much, you know, I, I wanted to make that very available to them to see, you know, a lot of people, and talk about that with people, with them, that a lot of people like that guy on that sign right there is smiling, eating that hamburger and people don't like hunting, but they don't mind people eating hamburgers. I, you know, it doesn't make sense that people, you know, and just that whole song and dance that you've heard a million times that, you know, that animal lives a free life. It lives the life that it was intended until maybe 30 seconds, 30 seconds of whatever it is we're eating has anything to do with a human while it's alive and that cow its entire existence stood there you know not that i'm against farming because i don't want to sound like i am at all but i just we make it very clear my wife's very on board with it too that that that's is part of life that's that's you know everything's going to die and we're you know we're taking advantage of the resources that we can get our hands on you know and it's it's not anything that we don't take serious but at the same time you know it's been it's been all positive i think i don't I don't think I can think of the time that Lukey was exposed the first time to something that, like I said, we've always got pigs that are getting ready. I mean, they nicknamed their pigs. You know how kids will name their pigs that we, we had pigs that we were, and they're not 4-H pigs or show pigs or any of that. They're just going to be going in the freezer. And we talk about it the entire time. And they're probably 
four, maybe four and three, maybe three and five when we first they first had one. They named their pigs bacon and sausage. So <laughs> they they kind of have a grip on it at this point. I, I mean, I I wouldn't want to insult anybody, but I my five and seven or seven and nine year olds have a better grip on where their food comes from than a lot of people. So, you know, I think it can be a really good lesson for, for the rest of your life about, you know, your relationship with food too. So no, I like, I I'm blabbing on now, but it's uh, I don't have any real bad stories for, uh, do you, hopefully. Do you think that, do you think the key though, to like having them so comfortable with that was then just the fact that you had them exposed to it early and often. And then that you kind of just explained it as you went, would you say that's kind of, What's been like the key to that success? Do you think? Yeah, I I think I think so because we've had a lot of, I mean they've had a lot of experience. We do process a lot of you know wild game and here and they're they're into that. Like the idea of getting our own food and and things like that is is they like that idea of eating fish. That would be the first thing that like I don't know what it is about fish, but they don't nobody's like, oh, that poor fish when you're cleaning the fish for some reason. And right. whenever something has fur, people tend to do that. But, I mean, my kids, and like I said, me and Dan have talked about, we were talking about no no pressure on them at all. But Luke will help me clean. Like when we're skinning, for instance, we had uh, a couple mink that we caught one day, and we went down to the basement, and it was bedtime. And this is something my wife was actually, we were talking about yesterday, at our house, we there's no, and Mark knows this, bedtime is kind of fluid with the Bradleys. I think everything's and kind of fluid with the Bradleys. Doing, but. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> but, uh, no, if they're doing something that we, in our minds, deem like productive, they don't have to go to bed or they don't have to take a nap or it doesn't have to be dinner time for like if, if we're working on something outside, if we're messing with the pigs or if we're, if I'm skinning a deer or if I'm tracking a deer or anything like that, they, if they're just playing outside, if that's, if that's what it is, they don't have to come in to go to bed. If they're outside enjoying it outside. Now, if they're inside watching TV, like eight, if they want to watch TV, they have, they ask and sometimes we let them, if it's eight o'clock, it's like, all right, it's bedtime. And like, we'll go outside, we'll go outside, we'll go outside. And like, <laughs> they know that at this point, but if, even with like skinning the, the mink in the basement downstairs, if, if, if Luke wants to do that, when I had a bunch of stuff that I wanted to skin and I started working on it and Becca's real good about it. She doesn't have a problem with, with them coming down there. And if they want to stay down there and if they're engaged in whatever's going on now, if they just want to play in the basement, you know, off in the other room, you know, it's time for bed guys. But if they're engaged in there and, and something you know, that, that they can be learning about, we just let it roll and let them, let them continue to do that until they lose interest in it. And when they're ready to go be done, you know, hopefully in that particular night, I skinned, I don't know, I think two mink and I don't know, a couple coons or something. And he was down there the whole time he was helping. He was hanging on to this and hanging on to that, you know, and it took me three times as long to skin them all because he wanted to help. But, you know, that's something that we try to do is make sure that we don't, you know, hamper, their interest in something by something silly like bedtime, right? <laughs> yeah, something arbitrary. It's funny. You, yeah, that's such a good yeah. point. That's that's something that my parents did. My dad, especially with me, that I think really helped me get into the things that I'm into. He always later in years he would always says, well, "I always just knew I had to feed the habit. Always feed the habit." So if ever I was showing any interest in like hunting or yeah. fishing in the outdoors. He would, like you know, that. he would always help feed that habit. So like you said, he would never stop me. He would never, if I, if I wanted to go out for the weekend to go hunting, he wouldn't, you know, he'd put aside things because he, that was always something he'd prioritize. Or if he, he if he was going to spoil me with something, 
it was going to be hunting gear or fishing gear. Like he would, he would, he he was really tough in a lot of ways. But when it came to like a new fishing pole or something like that, he's like, well, I'll feed the habit for this one special thing. Um, right. And I think you know that was something. Whatever it was, helped awesome encourage outlook, it. I think. Yeah, and it it certainly worked. He fed the habit to what's now an obsession <laughs> across the board for me. Um, what? <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a tip I've kept with me. Um, Dan, what about you? Back to what, what I originally asked Andy about, though, when it comes to introducing them or exposing them to, you know, to death, a dead animal, something like that. What's yeah. what's that been like for you and the kids? Yeah, so I'm pretty blunt with them right at the beginning. I mean, I tell them that if you're eating meat, an animal dies. Fly, you know, like a spider will eat a fly, a snake will eat a, a frog or a mouse, and we will eat a deer. And I've kind of compared what we do with other things in nature, right? So, uh, and then uh, this past turkey season was a perfect example. I, you know, I shot my turkey. There was blood involved, and I took the turkey back home, and I was, you know, cleaning the meat off of it and whatnot. And my daughter was sitting there and kind of watching me do it. And instead of just like doing it, I kind of explained to her and I showed her, "Hey, look at this. We're going to turn this." into turkey nuggets or we're going to turn this into something or you know something or hey we're going to make fish sticks out of this fish or something and then she relates it to food and that way when we do have supper or eat that meat then she can have a conversation with me she's like oh dad you shot this buck didn't you now we're going to eat it yeah yeah oh hey dad is this the fish that i caught yes it is it is the fish that you caught you know and 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 so that you can have those conversations, but man, we've, I followed a blood trail with her before my stepdad shot a, um, shot a deer a while back. It was not this season, but the last season. And I had her, we kind of walked through the timber, followed the blood and talked to her about how, I mean, I got, sometimes it's best to be really detailed about it. Um, that way it's almost like it goes over their head a little bit, but they're, they're engaged with you still like yeah he he put that arrow right through the vitals and loss of blood's gonna gonna stop it and 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 you know all this stuff and they look at you a little confused but they're like yeah yeah okay yeah that's cool yeah (laughs) Yeah. even though they don't they don't really understand then you know we found the buck there's blood in it and she's like dad is that buck is that buck dead yeah it's dead grandpa shot it okay now what are we gonna do i'm like well do you want to sit here and watch us you know, we have to take its guts out because we got to take the guts out so it doesn't ruin the meat. Well, Dad, I don't want to watch that. Okay, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll go with, go with right. Grandma. You know, don't force them to do anything really that they don't want to do because that day was great for her. But maybe taking the guts out would have been too much. So let's just, you know, that, that, that bridge will be crossed another time. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um what about the actual hunting part of things? I know that you, you haven't taken Ava out to set yet, right, Dan? Nope, just fishing thus yeah, far. She's and fish. And shed hunting. She found her first shed this spring. That was pretty cool. <laughs> um, but, Andy, you, you've been getting the boys out now with all sorts of stuff. How, how did that begin? Did you, what was their first hunt? How has that evolution kind of looked? I think i got to think about that a little bit, but I, I'm thinking that it was probably in a in – a, pop-up you know pop-up blind i used to have a food plot that i had planted just for that reason like i would spend 
hours and hours on it, and the chances of seeing a buck in it were very slim. But I did it just for that reason, and I actually never I have I've yet to kill a deer with them with me yet. But I've in you know recent couple last couple of years I've kind of transitioned away from the compound bow and back to the recurve, which I shot in the past. But um, it kind of opens up the parameters for me and what I feel comfortable shooting. And so now I've actually last year I took them a few times and I have a couple tree stands set up for them to get into, and that's that's it, man. That's I mean that's obviously not where I started, but um, that's where I'm at right now, and it is it is something else. Like they, I can't wait till the day that it happened. Last year I had a really close encounter with a, a buck that was probably not, you know, wouldn't be a shooter for most people. But when you got your like five year old, six year old with you, and it would be Lukey was with me, and it was like five yards away, and I had my recurve, and I'm like, I'm gonna shoot this buck, and it just turned and ran away. And I was like, I'd never been so bummed that a deer you know blew me up ever i was just like and it was like probably a two-year-old you know it was a small deer but it was one of those things like i just can't can't explain how much fun and i can't even imagine what it's going to be like someday when they're shooting deer or turkeys or whatever they're doing but um yeah that that would be i would have to say probably the the pop-up blind is the transition how i got him into hunting what 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 was lukey's reaction to that close call last year man it's just I don't know what, how to explain it. They just, they have a, and, and his, the way he is, he's so like his brother's very cerebral and asks 1 million questions. And then Luki just looks at you and he's like, and he's like kind of squints his eyes and he's just thinking. And it's like all his questions. It's almost like he's answering himself. I don't know what's going on in there, but, <laughs> but he, he just looked at me and he's just like, that deer was close, dad. And I'm like, oh. it was five yards away. I'm like, yeah, buddy, it was close. He's like, were you going to shoot it? And he was sitting there this still as a stone, you know, and nobody moved. I don't know if the world, the wind swirled or, you know, who knows? I, the place that I hunt's got a lot of human activity. No hunters, but a lot of people, they like to take walks with their shit twos and stuff, which, you know, it is what it is. But And it might have been something like that that ran him off. But, I mean, it was it was really cool just to see his reaction. And I could, I could like, I hugged him after the deer ran off. I'm like, what do you think of that? And, and when I hugged him, I could feel his little heartbeat fast. I was like... Oh my gosh. Like, and I wanted to just yeah. tear up right then. I'm like, I don't know. I, I think he gets it. I'm not going to get my uh, too ahead of myself, but I think he might get it, you know? So yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, man. Do they, are they, uh, so do they, do they have like the itch now from the hunt? Like, do they get excited about wanting to sit out there with you when it comes to deer or turkeys or yeah. something like that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I remember I was listening to you to, uh, I don't know if it was, I think it might've been the meteor that you were on. They were talking about, um, Steve was talking about his kids. And how when he was a kid, that his dad, it was laughable to think that you weren't welcomed to go whenever his, his dad was hunting. And, I, and I've and i kind of thought, like, that's a good way to do it. And I'm kind of trying to, I'm, as time has gone by now, I'm thinking, like, that's the way I have to do it. Anytime that I'm going to go do anything outdoors, I'm never going to. And there's been times when I said, no, buddy, you can't go today because it's too cold. Or it's too this or it's too that. Or, you know, I feel like I got a good shot at a buck that I got on a trail camera or something. And I've kind of put all that and basically in scrapped all of that now it's just if they want to go i don't care what it is we're going and scent control is kind of out the window too with, with two boys but i don't i don't one thing i don't do is i don't take them both at the same time because i feel like it's just it's easier for them to not get distracted with by each other and things like that and i i, pre- I prefer to you know try to keep it one-on-one that way i can make sure i'm doing the right things too you know 
Yeah. So your philosophy that you never, they're never not invited on a hunting trip, does that mean that one of your kids might show up at our Boundary Waters backcountry whitetail hunt in Minnesota? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not quite. Is that going to be a surprise As for me? You know, the, the first thing that our, in our household, you witnessed this, the, the very first thing that our kids learned in their life is that the word no. They learned that very quick around here, and that's how we do it. So I can say no, and there are times that, that I have to, and they, that might be one, but... <laughs> It's I guess the, I guess I'll tell them no this time. I guess you don't want my kids coming. I guess. So, fine. <laughs> no, I just think that based on my history with canoes, no, it wouldn't be no, safe for them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, uh, what am I getting myself into with that one? That's for another day, I guess. Yeah. Now, hey, Mark, I got a question for you. Yeah. Right. So, we talked a little bit earlier about how, um, like what was going through my mind and how I was going to have to adapt to my children kind of living this, this lifestyle. And, and you, this year is a a huge change for you. You know, you're, you went out West, you're doing all this outdoor activity, but now you have a, how old is he? Six months old? Just about. Yep. Okay. So now you, you're bringing a six month old with you. So how has your, outdoor life kind of changed with the addition of a six month old. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things I definitely had like a lot of apprehension about, like even before having kids, it was, Oh, how will kids impact all the stuff that we want to do and all these plans I have. Um, so I kind of selfishly was like thinking about that a lot. Um, but then once we had it, once we had Everett, you know, my wife and I were both kind of on the same page that we never believed that we had to change our lifestyle to accommodate. No, like, that's awesome. Yeah, like we never felt like I, there's some people you see that they have a kid and they, they never leave the house again. And like it's always like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, it's too hard. And we had so many people telling us that kind of stuff. Like, oh, you'll never be able to do this again. Or, or last summer when we were out west and after we like told people that we were pregnant, we had so many people say, oh, well, enjoy your trip out there. You're not going to go out there again. Um, or good luck, you know, with this backpacking trip. It won't be a long time till you can do that anymore. And we always kind of thought in the back of our minds, like, no, like we can still. Like we can just incorporate him into these things, um, and and make it a really cool thing for him. And that was like our goal and our hope before all this. But um, you know, this summer was like the testing grounds for that theory, though. Can we still do some of these things? Um, so yes, yeah, so we we've been out now on the road out west for almost three weeks, camping um, with the little guy. And the week before that, we took him on his first camping trip. Before that, and we've done a lot of hikes and stuff in Michigan and now here in Montana, and. Um, you know, overall, it's going really well. And I'd say, like, I'd say that I think we are right. Like, we can still do, we can still live the lifestyle that we have been, and we can still be very outdoors focused, and we can still do a lot of these things and travel a lot. Um, but it is definitely different, too. Um, I think the big things that have changed is that everything just takes longer. Like, I, I can't prioritize, like, my goals anymore. It's much more so about, like, the minimum like it's just okay. Let's just get there, or let's just have a little bit of an experience. Let's just t- test the waters, and yep. if we can at least, if we can, if we can hike for half hour, that might be all it is. And if that's all it is, then that's great. We just just enjoy it for whatever it was that we got. So, you know, we had on the drive out here. Usually, I like to burn rubber and get out here as fast as I can, drive straight through. But that definitely wasn't happening with a five and a half month old in the car seat. So, you know, it took us three days and we took like long, like hour and a half, two hour breaks at rest stops and let him play. And, 
you know, just everything takes a long time with feeding him and changing him and letting him nap and play and all this kind of stuff. Um, so that was an adjustment as far as like traveling. And then same thing, like when we're out here, like trying to go for hikes and things like that, everything just takes longer. So I set much lower expectations for what we're going to do and, um, lots and lots of breaks. And then I'm just, you know, I have to think about different things, you know, before when it came, like if I was going to do some big hike, I was just thinking about, okay, how far can me and Kylie hike? And, you know, what's the elevation going to gain going to be? All right, 2,500 feet, 10 miles. All right, let's go do it. Now, obviously, all those things are much different because, you know, you don't want to be too far from the trailhead and then have the baby throw a conniption because he hasn't adjusted to the elevation yet or something like that or him get sick and be too far away from the car um, or the sun get too hot and him be overheating. There's all these new things that I'm trying to learn about now, too. So it's I'm much more aware of things like sun and weather and rain and wind and bugs um, all that kind of stuff. So we've had a lot of hikes that like, we've started and they had to turn around. So we've done like a lot of like, our longest hike we've done with him was like seven miles. Um, we've done a lot of like two to three to four mile things with him. Um, a couple hours, but it's been cool. I mean, even though we're not doing anything like quote unquote epic, like stuff I used to think I always want to do, um, just taking like a little walk down the road with him and like see him get excited about, you know, whatever a dog running by right that that is (laughs) that is super cool um so it's been it's been awesome i mean he's been great like i mentioned at the beginning we've been really lucky with him he sleeps really well he's just a happy chill baby um he really enjoys being outside it seems like Like he just enjoys looking around he's very observational he's just constantly scanning looking at things taking in the world around him um and then this past weekend we actually took him on his first tent camping trip so everything before this has been in the camper, you know. Um, but this this weekend we did a tent camping trip. We actually found a really cool place. There's this road that actually goes up to the top of this kind of um, this relatively moderate mountain range here in Montana. And you can drive this road up to the top, and you're kind of above tree line, like beautiful, beautiful views. It's national forest, so it's like you can camp anywhere, and it's the kind of place that we would usually hike to. But we're not going to do like a 10 mile backpacking trip with them yet. But this is the kind of thing like we could we could drive up there. It was pretty comfortable. We could camp right out of the truck. We could set up the tent and still be like in a really pretty place and feel like we're out there. So it was like a really great opportunity to, you know, still be doing like a something that felt like exciting for me and Kylie, but was accessible for him. And he had a blast and he just kind of hangs out and he slept in the tent great. We have a setup. Um, that was one of the things we didn't know what tent camping was going to be like because not only is it myself and Kylie. But we also have our two dogs. So I've got my big lab and then Kylie's little dog, Cooper. So we had two dogs, two people, and him. So we bought a bigger tent this spring to accommodate a bigger family. So we bought like a four-person backpacking tent. And then because, like, Boone, the lab, is so just, I mean, you know Andy. He's just not. <laughs> I know exactly how he is. He's not self-aware. Like, he's just spinning around and jumping. He he's very. he's the same size as Cooper. Exactly. And he's definitely not. So... One of our worries is always like him stepping on Everett or bumping him and smashing him or something. So we got this little play, like this little mini kid tent that we actually use for a lot of things. Like if we're hanging out outside, imagine this is like a little, I don't know, like it's a three foot long by one foot tall mini tent um, that just pops up like a pop-up line kind of thing. 
And so when we're outside hanging out and like if there's too much sun and he needs a little bit of shade or we want to just set him somewhere while we're cooking or whatever, you can put him in that little thing and he can roll around and play, but he's not going to, you know, get stepped on by the dog or same thing in the tent. So we put him in that inside of our tent so that when Booner jumps in there and is running around trying to get settled, he's not going to step on ever. So that worked out really good. Um, and then for like a sleeping bag type situation, Oh, and let me take a step back. That baby tent, if anyone's curious, it's called the Kidco Peapod. I had some people ask me on Instagram about that. Um, and then we put them in this little, like, Patagonia fold-down suit that um, it's, you know, it's like a snowsuit almost, but we use it as, like, a sleeping bag. We'd seen some other people online that use this for their little babies, taking them backpacking and stuff, and that worked awesome. I mean, he stayed warm. He slept through the night, like, like just perfect. And... You know, he, he heard coyotes howl for the first time, and we heard a wolf howl in the middle of the night, I'm pretty sure. You and, did? Yeah. It was it was one of those things, like, me and Kylie, well. we both, yeah, we woke up in the middle of the night, and, like, like we woke up to it, and then you just kind of heard the, the tail end of it, and then you're like, was that what I think it was? So we both had kind of sat up and looked at each other. We were and just we're like, talking about that all the nights. Yeah. Weren't yeah. we just talking about, was that you that I was talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We were all, talking about you'd, uh, all the nights that you'd spent, and I have never heard one either. And you've never heard one. That's cool. Yeah. And so we actually heard one once before. Last summer I heard one once. Um, was the first time. And oh, then, yeah, this you. this time was the was the second time. And, and obviously Everett's not going to remember, but still kind of cool that you can say that on your very first time tent camping. You can say it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's been really sweet. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, it does pay to have some helpful gear. Like, we have had this, like, baby backpack here. It's um, the Osprey Poco. AG is the one we were using, and that's been great for carrying them around all over the place. Um, don't you have some kind of backpack carry, Dan, too, that you've used? Yeah, I have. I don't even know the name of it right now, but it was uh, – we bought it at a garage sale. Oh, nice. And it's, it's been used for all three kids. Yeah, I feel like having something like that that's comfortable is nice if you're going to do a bunch of hiking with the kiddo. That's been huge for us because he's just been kind of toted around all over the place and it's comfortable and it has like a pull-up sunshade, so kind of like a sunroof deal that pulls up over him. Um, my wife is like really paranoid about him getting sunburned because he's like very fair-skinned like her. He's got very light uh, skin tone. So she's always saying he's going to get burned, he's going to get burnt. So having a little sun cover is, is good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been awesome. It's very different, but it's been so exciting. It's different, isn't it? You can't you can't explain how it's different to somebody that doesn't have kids. I remember telling you that like, it's like when somebody just explains the mountains to you, and you're like, yeah, I get it, man, I get it. And the, you're the person telling you is going, no, nah, you don't get it. And then the first time you lay your eyes on him, you're like, oh, that's what he meant. Yes. And kids, it's like that too. Like, it's so cool, and you're telling the story of how cool it was at whatever your kid did, and. You can see it in their eyes that you're telling the person you're telling. They're just like, I don't want to listen to this, but yeah. you don't care that they don't want to listen to it. You're so happy about it. You just keep telling them, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate to that now. And it, it, I, I so I always yep. was that a guy. I was that guy. I was like, oh, they're talking about the kids again. Blah blah blah. But now I totally. <laughs> I know you were. I've seen that look in your eyes. <laughs> oh, here goes Andy on his baby rants talking sure. about the kids. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, now I'm on the other side. Um, and that's one thing yeah, that I, I really, no. that's one thing that I really had to learn to do, uh, like what you said, Mark, was slow down. Anytime I wanted to uh, bring my kids with me, you know, it's like I, you can't just go out 
and check a trail camera or go out and glass for deer. You have to make sure there are sippy cups. You have to make sure their shoes are on. You have to make sure they've gone to the bathroom before they get in the truck. You have to make sure there's, you know, if they get hungry, you might need to grab a snack. You might need to go look for your extra pair of binoculars. You might need to, you know, and then by the time you get it ready to go, oh, dad, I got to go potty. Well, I thought I just asked you to go potty. No, uh, dad, I don't, I didn't have to go, but now I do. Okay. So then you got to go potty again. And it's just like, you can't just, hop in hop out go it you you yeah. have to prepare for everything that's that's definitely definitely been my big take home probably from this this summer so far with him it's uh yeah it's just it's just it gets it, i think it gets easier though yeah would you say that dan like it gets you don't expect like even though mark you said you didn't um your expectations were you know maybe lowered but as it goes by like as time goes by now like Every time you go do something, you're not like ready, gung ho, and then, oh shoot, I gotta, I forgot, I gotta pump the brakes here. It's like now I, I I'm kind of tempered. Like I know when we go do. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that I have to do the, you know, I, I'm, I'm changed. I have changed to expect that it's, you know, I have to be slow. Yeah, and it's probably worth it, right? You don't mind so much now. No, I don't mind, not at all. Yeah. You know, speaking of changes you have to make for kids, because my wife and I and my baby all share a 20 by 10 camper right now out here in Montana, I uh, I can't record my podcast in the camper because he's either napping or he's gabbing away, making all sorts of noise. <laughs> so I'm recording this podcast in the front seat of my truck in the middle of a rainstorm. Can you hear that at all, Dan? Can you hear the I- rain and thunder? <laughs> Yeah, I can hear the rain on top of the car, but I can't hear. I didn't hear any thunder. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So kids always, uh, always changing things up. But um, back to the camping thing, um, Andy, you took your you took your family out for their first Western trip last year. So with a six and eight year old um, to Yellowstone and stuff, right? What was that like? That was awesome, man. I, it was an awesome experience. I'd never been out to Yellowstone or Grand Teton, so. For, you know, and I didn't want to, I kind of didn't want to go without them. And I'd been waiting for like, you know, ever since they were born thinking like, well, should we go this year? And then we're like, yeah, they're probably not old enough. And, and we waited until they were, you know, this last year. So, you know, eight and six, I guess. And it was, it was the, per- the perfect age to take them because everything they can, you know, you can point out and on the side of the road and say, look at that, you know, whatever it is. And they can, they can take it in, you know, and, uh, but they're not so young that it's not all about, you know, no, there's no diapers involved or, you know, any of that, which, you know, not to say it wouldn't have been fun, but I think for their sake, they, they enjoyed it because they, they were just, you know, they re- got to ride in the back seat. They weren't all strapped into a car seat and they, you know, read books and it, it was, it was an awesome experience, but not just, just Yellowstone and Grand Teton. I mean, everything that we went throughout there we saw the badlands and different things like that and and i mean they're absolutely hooked on it like they if if a week goes by and one of them doesn't say remember when we were in yellowstone or when we were in grand teton or you know not a week goes by that one of them doesn't bring that up or i always will hear them talking to their friend like the neighbor kids come over and they'll be talking about it oh we went to yellowstone it was so cool and so i i definitely think that i mean another one of those trips is in our, our our future real shortly i think that's awesome. That's that's what I I just can't wait to. Yeah, know, dude. Once he you know recognizes Same. stuff and he like 
you know, right now it's cool that he's in these places, but it's, it's mostly just cool for me and Kylie. But he's yeah. just kind of yeah. like oblivious. But it'll be it'll be really exciting yep. when he actually recognizes what's happening. And I, I do. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I still think there might be something like positive for him in having these experiences now. Oh, absolutely. You know, if, I, if just the energy that you guys are exuding when you're in those places, I think he benefits from that. I mean, I think don't you? Wouldn't you think? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think you're. I think you're right. I mean. How happy are you when you're in those places? And I, I mean, I don't, it's not like he's reading your mind or anything like that. Nothing weird like that. But I mean, I, I feel like, you know, there's probably a good vibes coming off you guys when you're out there, I would think. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And even, you know, even if it's like four years from now or something and we're just telling him the stories yeah. of this stuff or he's looking back at the pictures, you know, I feel like that's something like, yep. oh, yeah, I was doing that stuff. I w- yeah, that was me. I was that kid. I I've think been that's, there. yeah, that's, I've done that. Maybe that builds some kind of like identity or confidence or, or something that, you know, will positively impact him. I I hope. So, I don't know. Anything so. from your trip taking them camping? Like any uh, any lessons you learned from that first big family road trip uh, with with that age of kids? You know, our kids are they're they're awesome, man. I mean, I'm not just trying to brag about my kids, but they they don't have electronics. They don't know anything about. I mean. They know how to run an iPad better than I do or any, any electronic that you could ever get your hands on. They're better at it than anybody that's our age. But at the same time, like, we don't have we, – we've never put something in front of them to occupy them. We've taught them, and I think this is, you know, going to do them a service in the future for the outdoors because we've taught them to entertain themselves when, when there's nothing going on, figure out something to do. Like, if, if there's nothing going on, they go outside, they play, they take their BB guns out there or, you know, whatever it is they're doing, they're, they're doing it on their own. So that's what, you know, what I learned about it. Just let them enjoy it because if they're staring at a, at a iPad or whatever it is, they're not going to enjoy, they're not going to even remember. It's going to be another time in the car. And we didn't do that. And we got a lot of books and checked out things. That was something that you kind of uh, recommended, get books for you know, like Western reading like type things. I didn't really get anything specific for myself, but I thought we thought about that with them. So we had like books that we'd run in from the library or checked out from the library that we could, you know, that they could read all the way out there, different things. And, uh, and it was pretty amazing. I, I think, uh, like, I can't wait to go do it again. I, we've been talking about what we're going to do next, but it all takes money. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the trick. That did seem like you guys yeah. had such a cool trip though. That was, that was fun to, to see the pictures Nin- and follow days along. We're out there. Man, that's awesome. So Dan, wh- Dan, Dan, when's the first big family road trip for you guys out to the mountains going to be? I think next summer, um, potentially going to Colorado. Nice. So going to, my brother went out there with his son, uh, this past summer and, uh, he drove throughout the entire night. So, it didn't really like change the, his son's sleeping pattern. And I think I talked to you a little bit about that. So I think that's what I'm going to try to do is, you know, put the car kids in the car at like, I don't know, eight o'clock at night, drive all the way through the night to uh, Colorado or a, a stop somewhere or break the trip down into like, go to the Omaha zoo and spend the night and then get up early the next morning and drive to Colorado and, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, still not going to happen until next summer. So I'm excited though. Uh, yeah. the logistics are going to be weird, but I- I'm excited. 
Yeah, that'll be awesome. And I, and and that was something we did do. Like the first day we took off, we started at like two thirty in the morning or something, and so we did have a really good long spell there where he just slept all the way through, and that does help just cut some time because if it's during the middle of the day, they're just gonna there's gonna be more times when you have to stop, and so yeah, the nighttime driving is a is a key idea for sure. Um. I think we got to wrap this one up here pretty quick, but I want to get one more thing um, out there, one more talk, and this is something that I'm now having to encounter. This is something that me and Dan have talked about a lot over the years, um, but I'm particularly interested in your thoughts on this, Andy, and then maybe, Dan, where your latest thoughts are on this. But what about, what about Andy when it comes to balancing, right, balancing your hunts, balancing your hunting trips with, you know, with the obligations you have as a father, um, yeah, I know you, you, you and me take off for some elk hunting trips. We've done some fishing trips. Um, you know, it seems like that's something you're able to, you're able to take off for, for those types of things. And I know you hunt a pretty good amount at home. How do you manage to, to keep, you know, that balance in the right place though? Well, I think you've heard the term, uh, what is it? Uh, political capital that we say sometimes you gotta, you gotta be home when you can be home. And when it's time to be in the woods, you gotta, got to be in the woods so <laughs> yeah i try to be be take care of business when i'm home so so mama's glad doesn't isn't mad at me when i leave so i don't know i i you know how becca is she my wife is is super understanding like she doesn't want to hear me tell her every detail about everything that we're going to do every hunt every trail we're going to go down but at the same time she she wants she likes me to go and enjoy those things so and i think she sees the kids enjoyment in it too. And I think, and I've not really gotten like sucked her into that world so much. She loves kayaking and camping. She camps probably 40 days out of the year without me. The kids, they go all over different state parks and stuff all summer long. Cause she's off in the summer. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it is a balancing act, but at the same time, I mean, she understands that what it, what it is, what it means to me and how good it is, you know, what it, does to you man it gets you back to zero when you can go out and do stuff like that it makes you feel alive so i mean that's that's the biggest thing i've found is do what you got to do when you can't be hunting and fishing because it you know makes it make their life good when you're here and then they'll they'll want want you to go they won't be mad when you leave i guess yeah i think there's something you said there about how it kind of does you good and i don't know if this is i've always thought is this just me trying to come up with like a self-serving explanation or is there truth to this but i've always thought that these types of things, when we go out and do our own hunts or trips or whatever it might be, um, while it might take you away from your kids or the family for some period of time, it puts you in a better place. You are more engaged, more there, a better parent, a better husband, a better person yeah. with them I think afterwards that's or because that's a part of your life. Do you think that's reasonable? Oh, I, I think absolutely true. I mean, it adds a new wrinkle when you go now because the kids are like, like – I miss my wife when I go for sure, but if there's just something about those little boys, man. They just, they just want to watch TV and cut, you know, you're sitting there and they come in the room and then what do you see? What are you watching dad? And they come walking over and climb up on you and they're sitting there watching TV with you. And, you know, it's like you miss that stuff, you know, but I definitely think that you, it kind of recenters you and you, you get in the, in the grind of just working all the time. And it feels like, you know, if you have other obligations or things on the weekends and stuff, it doesn't, you don't get to, you know, recharge your batteries. But when you go out and do something like that, I feel like it just kind of puts you back to, back to zero. And you can, you know, I, I definitely think that there's some truth to that. 
Is there is there anything other than like you said, just kind of racking up the capital in the off season? Is there anything else that you've done to make it, you know, better? Maybe for the kids or anything like that. Is there anything you've done to just make that work a little bit better for everybody else? Any advice? I can't. I I wish I had like the the silver bullet right here, but I feel like I'm I'm letting you down. I don't know. I feel like you. Well, there you probably isn't harder than I am. There I probably isn't a silver bullet, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I think, I think a lot of times, and I, I kind of reiterate what I said, you got to take care of business when you're here, do the things that you can't do when you're gone. I mean, as simple and stupid as that sounds, but that's, that's what I do. I don't, I can't, if, if you got a stinking leaky roof, don't go hunting and wait for that text when you get back into cell service somewhere and so there's water dripping. I mean, not that that's happened. It hasn't happened here, but that type of thing. If you got something that's going to manifest when you're gone, you better take care of that because you're yeah. never going to go again if that, something like that happens, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I guess that would be my best advice. Take care of business when you can take care of business because when you're out there in the middle of Idaho and you don't get service and you get 72 texts when you get back to town hey what do i do in the hot water or whatever you know i don't i don't want that that's my nightmare right there so yeah. i try to prevent all those things from happening <laughs> yeah what about you dan anything anything new now in in this fifth or sixth year now of of dealing with this stuff uh your head anywhere different than <laughs> yeah. it was last time we talked about during last fall give me something good dan because i feel like i didn't have anything good so give me something well, i can use here's what i will say it and that is Early season hunting has now become a go when my wife is happy type of thing, right? If she's in a bad mood, uh, I probably won't go hunting uh, the first week in October uh, because, you know, if she's having a bad day and she's like, well, I don't care what you do. If she knows that I am going to be gone for a night or two nights or gone for even four hours to go on a hunt, she has to sit with my kids and our kids are crazy, right? And they, they do put stress on, a, on people. <laughs> oh, this is not a joke. This is nothing new, but it, I have to make sure that I take care of my wife. Like this, the trip I went out to California with, that was for her to let her know that I was happy. You know, I'm happy with her and, and that, you know, basically these trips that I do, although I'm, I don't know. My wife doesn't suffer in silence, if that makes sense. So, so she, she will tell she you loudly suffers. <laughs> well, yeah, she, she tells you exactly <laughs> the vocal suffering. Yeah. Yeah. She tells you exactly how she feels at all time, which is good, right? I, she's not yeah. the kind of person where you have to say, so what's wrong. And then she says nothing. She, if I say what's wrong, you better be prepared. Cause she's going to tell you what's wrong. Right. So, <laughs> yep. so that's so, my life too, man. I think yeah. your wives are similar. So when I, you know, when I go for, you know, when I go on my two week rut vacation, she's going to, I'm like, Hey, is everything okay? Well, uh, yeah, everything's fine. I mean, she's come to expect that, but it's not going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to be here yep. with three kids. I'm going to be a single parent. Uh, and, uh, it's not easy raising three kids because you have basically everything else gets put on hold until I get back. And, you know, stuff doesn't get done, maybe laundry or cleaning or the kids have to eat hot dogs for, you know, uh, five out of 10 days or whatever, because that's just simple. And I don't know. It's, and it's one of those things. One, 
here's one thing that I, I have to I have to say is I think that once men get married and I don't know where this is coming from, but once once men get married, there something is happening in today's world where they are. It's just like, OK, now you are no longer a man. And I think <laughs> these I think these trips where when uh, for me anyway, when I can go out and like you said, uh, Andy, get recentered, I think that is needed. I think men need that. Uh, they need to be challenged. They need to be um, out in nature. They need to, you know, basically beat on their chest and be like Tim Taylor, right? <laughs> you know, be, I think obviously the definition of a man has changed over the years, but I, still, I think, I think the need- core definition is still the same. There's a, there's a physical part. And I think that that concludes it right there, Dan, but <laughs> <laughs> It's going to get deep, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Just like, you know, the metrosexual. I don't and I, I do. I, don't I do know. know what you mean. I we do don't have those here. What are you talking about? Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm just like, I think uh, I come back on something like this. I've able, I've been able to vent. I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband. Maybe she sees that. Maybe she doesn't. But I feel, I feel it. And, and, um, I just got to make sure that she's happy uh, throughout the rest of the year so that she can be pissed for, you know, the rest of the, what I am hunting. So <laughs> it's better to have to only piss three or four weeks out of the year, as opposed to, you know, months on end. So that's true. That's true. You know, I've been thinking about this have, a lot. You, oh, sorry, Andy, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, has, have either one of you ever like, just been sitting there in your tree stand and nothing's going on or maybe i think this instance i was ice fishing and i sitting there nothing's going on i pick my phone up my add kicks in and i instantly pull up something facebook or instagram or something and i look down and i scroll and this lady posts my husband went elk hunting in september has anybody seen him since it was like january 2nd and i look up like a bradley <laughs> yep, time to go home. <laughs> like halfway through January, I'm like, that's one of one of those times when you're like, okay, yeah, I think it's time. So, I, I, have either of you had that experience yet, where you just social media, you, you found out that you were you were dis, you know, a distant father, a, a absent father? Have you ever had that happen yet? Not quite like that. I've had a couple of those. One was my wife posted a picture of my truck as I'm backing out to go on my my uh, rut vacation, and she's like, uh, "Hello, hello, fall widow. Here I am," or something like that. She said, "You know, like, <laughs> the next two weeks I will be a fall widow." And then um, the the other times, you're sitting in a tree stand, and then you know it's bad at home when you just get you know you set your tree stand up, you climb in, you hang your bow up. You sit down, you take that deep breath, you're hunting, and then bzz, 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 check your text, and it's ah. from your wife, and it says, when are you coming home? <laughs> <laughs> she knows. She knows when you're coming home, but yeah, she knows. all she's saying is, it's that's that's code for, it's crazy as shit here, please get your ass home. <laughs> that's a bad feeling in your stomach when you see that text. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I've been thinking about all this a lot. I don't know how it's going to change things for me this year, especially because I've got, you know, a lot on the schedule. So I'm trying to figure out if it's, if it's shorter trips, you know, maybe by planning instead of like week long trips or like four day long trips coming back more often like that. So, so it isn't as long a periods of time as being gone or I don't know. I feel like I've got a lot to learn this year, but, um, but you guys have thoroughly scared me in some ways as you typically <laughs> well, do Dan. <laughs> 
you are how's this conversation though because i know you've had it i don't try to lie and tell me you haven't because i know you've had it when your wife says something to you about the amount of time you've been gone or you're getting ready to go out again and then your current counter argument is something along the lines with, with this is my business now like this is how i make my money now right yeah i, I don't get to use that yeah i mean i i'm trying to learn how to get to use that i know mark <laughs> you you have a legitimate you know you have a legitimate uh what's that backing on that statement but like i'm sure there's comes points where there comes a point where she's just like yeah, I've heard that too many times. It's not going to count this time. <laughs> yeah. No, we definitely have had that conversation. And and so, yeah, I do have, like, the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card for a lot more stuff than a lot of people. Um, so because of that, she is, like, very understanding of a lot of the stuff I do. But there, there it gets to the point now where there's always one – usually it's, like, the third week of November – where if it's been going two and a half months straight, you know, you had a trip or two in September and then, you know, a lot during October. And then after the big two weeks of the rut, usually there finally gets that snapping point. That's where it's like, you're just, you're, you're not even here. Like you're not, 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 not just that you're not physically here, but even when, when I'm physically here, she'll say that I'm not even mentally there. And, and so there, there usually is like a reset where we have to have kind of a talking and she's like, all right, I, I really need some help here on stuff or you need to be kind of mentally checked back in. Um, but, but for the most part of the rest of the year, usually she is pretty understanding of the fact that it is business related and, and she's, she's really, she's really good about it. Um, but I am always trying to, like, I don't want to use that as like, I don't care what your situation is. Like, I don't care how you feel. I don't care how hard it is for you. It's my job. So I'm going to do whatever I want. That's definitely not the tact I take. So even though, yeah, it's my job, I am, I always am trying to find ways to make sure that I can make it as, you know, as doable for her, as non-painful for her. Um, and, 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 and the thing is that, yes, I am not around as much during the fall, but the benefit of what I do is that I'm present all the time the rest of the year. Like we spend all day together every day. Like I don't have to go well, to sure nine to five. She loves that every day. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a downside. Every day. <laughs> maybe I need to re- relook at this theory. Right. <laughs> if she wants you to take up something like golf or something. <laughs> yeah. You can start golfing. Get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, there's pros and cons. Um, but I am constantly trying to find ways to, to, to make it, work for her too um so i'm sure this year there'll be some some relearning some figuring out how to balance things better and i've always wanted to make sure that i'm carrying my you know my my side of the bargain too i never want to just throw everything on her like managing the household and the baby and everything so i'm sure we'll have a, a new challenge with that this year but we'll figure it out we've gotten a lot better i think for us a big thing was like communicating about it all like my wife isn't as much like yours, Dan. Like my wife is more so she'll kind of just hold on to stuff. She won't bring it up until I force the issue. So uh, we've kind of, I've learned to like force the issue early on versus like early on in our relationship. I knew like she wasn't super talkative with me. I could tell that she was irritated about something. I knew it was probably about my hunting, but I just didn't want to deal with it. So I was like, ah, I don't want to get in a fight or I don't want to get, you know, have this like uncomfortable conversation. So I just let it go. And then we go like a week and you could just tell there was like this tension underneath things. Um, and that was never good. And it, and it would like lead to like some kind of blow up fight, you know, a month later or something. But now I just nip it in the butt. So I will just force the issue. I'm like, okay, I know that something's bothering you. 
it's probably X. Is that it? Is that the case? And if so, let's talk about it. And once we've kind of figured out that we need to do that, um, and that that's related to a lot of things in our relationship, but especially with like hunting and balancing all those kinds of things. Now that we get that stuff out on the table, it's so much better. And then she can be like, okay, I understand you got to be gone for a week for this. I understand you got to be gone for a week for this. But maybe instead of being gone two weeks straight, what if we, what if you came back for three days? Like that'd be really helpful. Or I've got this thing going on. I really could use some help during that period. And like, once we talk through it that way, we can find a way to make it work a little bit better for both of us. So that's, it's simple, but just communication, I think, um, helps. So absolutely. That's all I got. I guess we gotta, like I said, five years from now, 10 years from now, we'll have to reconvene once we have older children and, and see if any of this helped us out. Right. <laughs> um, any, any final, my kids all hate me now. Yeah. Your advice ruined my life. One time Dan. Watch me got a deer. <laughs> any Saw that deer got one time. That was it. Any, any final thoughts, uh, Andy, you want to add on this? No, I, I, I don't have a lot, I guess. I, I guess I would say that, um, don't be afraid to not kill huge bucks or not kill as many ducks or do whatever. If your kid wants to go take them, man, just take them fishing. Don't catch anything. Just take them with you. If that's what, it, if that's what, it, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Just take them all. And that's where I'm at now. I used to take things like, not that I don't take it serious, but I, at this point now, what I take serious is any interest they have in going, if they want to go hunting, I will take them. I will put them in that tree stand and we will sit there and, be cold and go home if we have to or whatever we have to do. That would be my advice. Just, just take them, man. Whatever you can, whenever you can. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Dan, anything else? No, man, just, uh, you know, baby steps. Um, that's what I, I mean. That's, that's the only thing that I know how to do. And, and, and I don't want to ever burn them out because even going once or twice is better than not going at all. And that's, that's really what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to experiencing all these things you guys are talking about. It uh, it was like the scariest thing ever, you know, having a baby. But um, it has been the coolest thing ever too. And everything, all these new things ahead of us, I just I'm I'm just looking forward to it so much. So, raising an outdoor kid, I think, is probably going to be the coolest outdoor adventure of of our lives, right? So, um, I think so. I can't uh, I can't ask for anything more. And that's going to do it for us today. So if you haven't yet, I think today is the day for you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating or review on iTunes. It's a surefire way to build up some of that positive karma that you're going to want for hunting season. So uh, be sure to do that. And while you're at it, follow Wired to Hunt on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, thank you all for listening, especially on episodes like this here today where we take a break from talking big bucks and hunting strategy and instead focus on some of these bigger issues in life. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again. And until next time, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. 
Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.